Welcome. You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I'm Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show, as always, is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. We have a fascinating topic to explore today. It's been called the near-death experience, or as some people call it, NDE. And why does a soul come back from death after having an NDE? I've been dying to know. (laughs) Yes, you have been. (laughs) According to those who study near-death experiences, there are thousands of reported cases of NDEs just in the U.S. alone. Of course, some researchers claim that in the U.S. and Australia, some 4 to 14% of the people have had NDEs. Dying and then returning to this life isn't as rare as it was once thought. The good news about so many people reportedly having had NDEs is that there is a lot more firsthand information about what might happen after a person goes through a physical death process. Although there are some types of experiences that a person who's been through an NDE tends to have more frequently than other types, but the experience of dying is quite unique to each individual. There have been many reports of those who experienced an NDE having gone through a tunnel into the light or seeing the spirit of deceased loved ones or being with angels and other beings of light, and so on. Yet, if we were to get into the minute details of one's experience, each one has its unique properties. Often, especially shortly after having an NDE, the one who undergoes such a profound experience might focus on the details of what he or she experienced while not being attached or associated with the physical body. Yet, as returnees go back to the business of living here in the world, they may discover that they relate to themselves in life quite differently than prior to their NDE. More often, the returnees find that their profound shifts are very positive or beneficial, but at times, some report that they have had tremendous difficulties in reclaiming to being, to reacclimating rather, to being here. Any of our listeners interested in all the varieties of experiences that those who have had them have reported, there are many good books, organizations, and resources that may help you understand this phenomenon more. Organizations such as IANDS, and that's uh, all capital letters, I-A-N-D-S, IANDS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies, and N-D-E-R-F, Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, along with extensive scientific studies like the AWARE study published in the Resuscitation Journal or NDE pioneer Raymond Moody's work, can keep you reading about thousands of cases 
uh, or case studies for quite a while. But for our discussion on this show, we'd like to offer you some insights from our personal near-death experiences, which we have talked about before, and from some of those of a few friends who have also been through some NDEs. We would also like to offer you some insights into what makes one soul who goes through the cessation of bodily functions depart this world and not return to it as opposed to another soul who does. I've talked briefly in past shows about my near-death experience, uh, but I'd like to tell you a little more about it. So it's kind of a fun story. I've only had one near-death experience, and that's really all I want to have before I (laughs) make my final transition. But it really was one of those cases of be careful what you ask for. (laughs) And it started quite a number of years uh, ago when I went to San Jose to to hear Danian Brinkley speak, and he has a book called Saved by the Light. There's an incredible story of a near-death experience where he was shown the future and all kinds of things. And that was his first one. Yeah, his first one. He was hit by lightning, um, not something I would want. Um, but after hearing him speak and, t- and also reading his book where he said it took him six years to recover from being struck by lightning... I had a question in my mind, and that was, uh, I wonder if you can have a near-death experience without all that pain and suffering, (laughs) or not a prolonged pain and suffering anyway. That was just a thought in my mind, and I guess I must have put it out in the universe because a few months later, it came back in this form. Michael and I went to uh, Hawaii to get him some rest because he had he was exhausted and needed to take a break from everything and we just pushed everything off the desk everything off the calendar and went to Hawaii and the day we got there we uh, stopped at a health food store for a sandwich and when I got halfway through eating the sandwich I told Michael something's wrong with this sandwich I put it down and we left the restaurant, and when I got we got back to our condo, I could feel something roiling in my stomach, and I'm one of those people who doesn't like to um, throw up, so I just asked my body not to do that, and that was a big mistake because I became so ill, I really should have gone to a hospital, and I was sick for three days, and on the third day, I was able to crawl from the bed. Oh, I couldn't even stand. That's how what bad a shape I was in. I went over to the couch and lay down and told Michael, you know, you should go out and swim with the dolphins or the turtles or something. And he went out. And as soon as he left, I went to sleep and I had my near-death experience. And I know it wasn't a dream because when I got to the place where I got to, um, I knew where I was. We all have this within us. We know where we go when we pass over. And I I know so much more about it now, but back then I thought of it as uh, standing there with my guide, looking through uh, um, an archway to where all the people were that I knew. And I was standing there and he basically my awareness was I could go through or not. And he, the guide that was with me said that I could if I wanted to because I actually finished my mission. And this happened in the 1990s, by the way. I finished my mission that I came for this lifetime. 
And so I was free to go if I wanted to, but I was free to come back if I wanted to. And the interesting thing was I had no thoughts or attachment to the body. I had a similar type of body. It was lighter, so I still felt like myself standing there. So my life and and how Michael felt about if he came home and found a dead body and all this kind of stuff didn't even cross my mind. I was so neutral, I could not even answer his question. So he asked me a question. Well, what about that center or teaching that you and Michael had promised each other you would create? And as soon as he asked that question, I was I slammed back into my body. And as I came back, I could tell that my heart had stopped and was still kind of stopped when I came back in, but started again because I felt the uh, blood pulsing through my neck finally. And it was a profound experience for me because I knew I had been uh, almost gone and I had to almost laugh because I thought, wow, Michael Michael would have found me this way and that would have been a pretty <laughs> bad end- ending to his day, something I didn't think about on the other side. And he came back, and it was funny because he was so excited about having this experience with a gigantic uh, sea turtle that I waited until he told that story before I told him what happened to me. But the effect it had on me in the weeks and months following was extremely profound. Now, I didn't really need to have a near-death experience because I'm a clairvoyant reader. I, I have spoken to people on the other side. I know that we survive death and all that kind of stuff. Death meaning death, uh, the passing over of the body, where the being leaves the body, abandons the body, and goes to another place. But the effect it had on me when I came back was I knew because I was finished with my mission that I really didn't have, uh, have to do anything. I wasn't compelled by karma which is most people who, who come to earth have some kind of karma. They got a complete along with what they create and what they learn and so forth. But that each day I started, I knew I didn't have to particularly do anything, but the kind of personality I have, I like to do things and it inspired me in a much higher vibration in what I created from that point on. But there was also a sense of freedom that I had never had before in my life. So that was basically how it affected me. And, and we've heard from a lot of authors. Or, or I've read a lot of books on NDEs. And I know that everybody's experience is a bit different, but um, I think we'd like to hear a little bit from Michael. You've had altogether five near-death experience in the past 15 years. Would you share with our listeners about them, and especially what you've observed in yourself that shifted most since and each as well as all of them. What were some of the differences in your experiences over those five years you died and come back? Are you aware what made you return here each time? Ah, you mean the... Yeah, the five times that uh, (laughs) I crossed over... Every single time was different. And I every time I've heard of, seen, witnessed other people crossing over. And for good, to, you mean? For good. Uh, as 
Raphael mentioned, you know, being clairvoyant and assisting other people in their passage, which is a very profound experience for everybody involved, not just the person, quote, dying, but everyone involved in their death. Because whenever someone who you love, someone you're close to, dies, you have to die with them. But it's much more difficult for the person staying here to go through the dying because you still have your body, you still have everything, and you think. In your mind, you're, you're thinking that you're alive. It's the other person who's dying. But that doesn't change necessarily until you start to realize that there is no death. And that a lot of people may understand that intellectually because they've read about it, heard so many people talk about, oh, no, there is no death. I've been, uh, I've died and come back and I can report (laughs) wholeheartedly there is no such thing as death. Your awareness, your energy, your life continues. And, And yet, no matter how many times you hear that, Unless you experience it yourself in some way, shape, or form, it's not that real. And so over the years, from the time I was 21, I've practiced dying. What does that mean? What does that mean? That's, you know, uh, it's not like I've been having near-death experiences all the time. <laughs> that would be very difficult. That would, that, that would kill you <laughs> eventually. But practicing dying from a spirit perspective is letting go. It's that simple. It's because here in this world, it's easy to get hung up on holding on to things. Holding on to your loved ones, holding on to your house, your job, your dreams that, you know, you haven't, your bucket list that you haven't accomplished yet. Things of that nature. You tend to hold on. But everything here is transitory, isn't it? It's transient. It just passes by. Some of it seems to take a little bit longer time, others instantly. But it, it's, it's, there's a beginning and an ending. Only in spirit is there eternity, forever. Forever means limitlessness and nothing changes. It's forever, the whole thing. Well, our first break is coming up, and I'm sure Michael has a lot more to say about (laughs) his near-death experiences. I like to think of it as uh, when it comes to the body, it's laying the body aside and moving on. But there's so much more to it. Anyway, uh, we like to make our announcements at this point. This weekend, Saturday, January 18th, and Sunday, January 19th, Michael will give a whole seminar weekend devoted to exploring your out-of-body psychic experiences and astral life. He'll be teaching two amazing all-day seminars, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. each day. Saturday's topic will be, Where Do You Go When You Go to Sleep? Waking Up to Your Out-of-Body Experiences. And Sundays will be, who are you when you're in heaven? Getting more out of life when you're in the spirit realms. Come join us at the Marriott Residence in Boulder, Longmont in 
Longmont, Colorado. This is a new location for us. If you'd like to wake up more to who you really are and fulfill your purpose, these seminars will definitely help you. Find out all the details and sign up on our website, events calendar section, michaeltamora.com, or call our office, 530-926-2650 during normal business hours, specific time, Monday to Friday, and talk to our wonderful assistant, Noel. We'll return in a couple of minutes, and we'll talk more about the NDE. Why does a soul come back from death? It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Get ready for High Vibin' It with host Lindsay Robinson and Kelsey Aida. This is an all-new look at self-empowerment and lifestyle design. If you're still trying to figure out the law of attraction, spirituality, self-love, and more, we'll break it down for you. You can create the life of your dreams and own your power. Listen for High Vibin' It. We're live every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This will be one hour you will make time for. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to Lead Up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your host, Pauline Biggs, speaks with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories, resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back, everyone. Let's get back to our topic, the NDE, near-death experience. Why does a soul come back from death? So, Michael, why does a soul come back from death since you've done it five times? <laughs> <laughs> ah, because it's fun. <laughs> well, one of the things that I have told people all the time is the leaving is, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's, it's simple. It's not a 
you know, difficult thing. It's the coming back that's much, much more of a challenge. At least that's the way it is for me and and for several of our friends who have had various near-death experiences, they report the same thing. Because, oh, well, the first time I died was very different than all the other times. The first time when I, uh, the last thing I was thinking it was I was really talking to God because I was in so much pain, excruciating pain. And it's been going on and on to the point where I can't even move, I can't sit, I can't lie down, I can't sleep. It's just so much pain. And finally it got to the place where I'm going to God, I'm saying, God, I'm not sure how long, how much longer I can I can deal with this, how I can handle this. The minute that thought went out, boom, I expired, so to speak. I, I was out of the body, and I was escorted by this beautiful archangel that um, took me to this place, and there awaited four other besides this being that escorted me there. There's four others, so five of great beings of light sitting around this table, like a conference table, and I was invited to sit down. And unlike Raphael, I didn't see my body. I, I didn't see my hands or anything like that. And uh, I just, I was just there as consciousness. And yet I can see the five of them. They were first blazing beam, beings of light. And then each one turned into a, a face with a body with a, you know, one of them had a, a green robe on, another one had a much more kind of a Tibetan uh, outfit. And each one, one, <laughs> one I called the Nordic master. <laughs> you look like a Viking, right? Yeah, you look like a, a Viking. And, you know, who was that guy on the the cover of Harlequin novels, romance novels. Oh, yeah, Fabio. Uh, Fabio, yeah. Fabio. The guy with the long blonde hair, you know, very good looking and everything. Well, he was like that, big, big, big guy. And he was sitting at the head of the table. So so I got to see their representations, how each being represented themselves to me in a more of a form, bodily form, which made a fun, which made it interesting, and I can describe them and talk about them. But the immediate thing was, oh, just like with Raphael, you're done. You've far outdone yourself in terms of what you've committed to do in this lifetime. So you're free. You're free to be with us and continue your spiritual work here from this side, or you can go back. It's completely your choice. Yeah, there's nothing required of you. Well, it's interesting when you are handed freedom like that, freedom of choice like that, very similar to what Raphael's experience was, my mind's a blank. I, it's, I had no thought one way or the other, no desire one way or the other, and definitely I wasn't thinking of anyone or anything. It was just and it's not personal. No, it's not. I wasn't, you know, oh, thank God I am I got rid of those people. <laughs> no, it wasn't anything one way or the other. It's total peace, 
total equanimity. And there's nothing riding on a decision. Completely free. There's no decision of, I want this over that. So I'm, I'm looking at that, and I'm going, how interesting. It's just completely blank. Either way, anything, I'm willing any which way. So then I realize I'm with these five incredible enlightened beings. Great. When do you get a chance like that? They're, you know, you got complete attention from them. So I, I said, okay, well, either way is fine with me. What do you see in your greater wisdom as a group? Do you have a recommendation? Which, which would serve and benefit not only myself, but anyone involved more? Staying here and working from the spirit end of things or returning to earth, working in the world. And they didn't miss a beat. That was instant. The answer unanimously from all five instantly was if you return, you'll do far more, you'll give far more benefit to everyone concerned and then some. So I thought, whoa, okay. If that's the case, I can go with that. So I said, okay, send me back. And so that was the, mm, the reason, if you will, for me coming back the very first time. I didn't have to, but it seemed like a better deal to come back. I can get more done. So, and I knew that if I didn't come back, I would be doing the same thing from the spirit end of things in a different way, of course. But so it's not like I wasn't going to do anything <laughs> and going to spiritual retirement for the rest of eternity. No. Not, so not yet anyway. <laughs> so so that wasn't that wasn't the the choice. So I but the minute I they said okay and then instantly I'm being escorted by the same being back to my body. But as soon as we start the journey so to speak back, I realize, oh wait a minute, there's this body thing. This physical body that's the last time I was in it was in great excruciating pain that incapacitated me. So I turn back as I'm leaving. I'm saying, oh, one last thing. <laughs> I'm going to need some help <laughs> with this healing so that, you know, if I'm continuing to be in that excruciating pain, I'm not going to be any good to myself or anybody else. I'll be a, I'll be a burden. And, and the last thing I hear from them is fine. <laughs> they're, they're not one for chattiness. <laughs> it's right there, clear and simple. So in answer to my question, request was fine, which knew, which I knew, okay, I'm going to get some help as soon as I came back here. And the, that time returning to my body, to this earth, was very similar to what Raphael described you, you, there's a, like a blip of a moment and then boom, everything kicks on in your body again. It's like your heart, you, you really experience your heart kicking back on and it's a little bit of a shock and you go, whoa. And then slowly you start to realize, oh yeah, I'm back here again. So that was the very first time. And since that time, the other four times I crossed over, it was no question on my part because I had already made the commitment to come back. 
and continue or step up in my work here, what I can do. And so then, having that in my mind, uh, I have that with me when I, each time I died, except for the third time. <coughs> that was what we call the, the big one. <laughs> because that one was, I had a total cardiac arrest while I was in probably one of my peak physical fitness condition, health-wise, everything. So much so, I was at the gym working out really hard. <laughs> when it happened. When it happened. And uh, I would say I was probably at the top of my physical fitness even more than when I was a teenager, when I was an athlete in high school and things like that. Huh. Isn't that interesting? And, of course, exercise is supposed to be good for you. <laughs> ah, well, spirit makes use of every experience. That's why there's no real room for judgment. If we're, if we're making judgment, overlaying judgment on our experiences, good or bad, we're putting obstacles in the way. Because spirit doesn't make a judgment. It never looks at anything as good or bad. It's just experience. And experience, all experience, is used for learning. For each of us to learn, to be free, to, to wake up fully. Or another way, a more traditional, uh, old-fashioned way to say it is to become fully enlightened. But whatever term you want to use, that's, it's leading to it is all spiritual learning. And so the experience was one of just total one moment. I must have been. I don't remember this. I don't remember anything from the physical world for that experience. I vaguely recollect, yeah, I was uh, in the gym. And I sort of, because people have told me, when they said I, they found me collapsed inside, uh, you know, all tangled up in the elliptical machine. I go, yeah, I know. I remember that machine. I used to work on work out on that first, and so I knew those things, just patching things together from memory and whatnot. But there is no recollection. Whatever happened, I'm, shush. It's my experience. Recollection starts from the getting out of the body. And that time, it was like being not ejected, but being sucked out, like one of those hydraulic tubes that you used to send messages or your checks at the bank or whatever, and it just sucks it up. And But instantly, I'm out, and I'm in this space, but this is the place, this particular near-death experience, I don't have any real words to be able to talk about it because the instant I'm out, I'm there is no me. So there's no I had this experience. It was just the awareness. And the only thing when I came back and I start to have my memories and and you know be able to speak more than and, and remember things more than three or four minutes at a time, uh start to come back and the way I described it at that point was 
the only words I could come up with, and it just came intuitively, is that my consciousness, if you will, of blending with this flame of God's love. It's And after I come back, I can, you know, it's like writing poetry. You have an experience and you want to put it into words. Then you find metaphors and analogies and you find ways of describing that experience with words, but that's not the same as the experience. And when there's no experience, experience in the traditional sense of having an experience, it's I had an experience. But that part, there wasn't that. Huh. But it wasn't nothingness and blank. No, it was it was full and it was limitless and it was never ending. Huh. So that was a great experience, huge. And when I came back from that, I, after that, slowly it started to unfold where after this non-experience experience, if you will, of being in the flame of God's love, then the first thing I can say I experienced was these great, huge, angelic beings. I could I can see where some of those things in the Old Testament where they talk about seraphims and cherubims and somebody describes what those kinds of angels are with big wings and multiple wings, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I can see where they got that from because that's what surrounded me. And then I turn around and now I have an experience of seeing a sea of angels. And beyond that was the rest of creation. Well, it's about time for our second break, so make a note to check. We'll be in beautiful Calabasas in the greater Los Angeles area next month in February. Get the details and sign up on our website events calendar section at michaeltamora.com or call our office at 530-926-2650 during normal business hours. Pacific Time, Monday to Friday. When we return, we'll continue our exploration of the NDE. Why does a soul come back from death? We'll see you in a couple of minutes. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Join host Marla Goldberg each week for guided spirit conversations. This show puts you, the listener, in touch with some exciting guests. Hear how they've helped others and find out how you can help too. 
Drew Marlis charity shout outs. Are you ready to shift your current life experience? We've got tips, tools, and techniques designed to help you get started. Guided Spirit Conversations can be heard Thursdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in every week for Inspired Chi Radio with A.J. Johnsack and Tracy Sanginetti. Do you sometimes feel like you have no direction? Every one of us is a soul with a body, not the other way around. Discover your talent and purpose. Tracy and AJ help you create your most authentic life and master your powerful, positive energy using modalities like hypnosis, tarot, and your own individual Akashic records. Join us live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Great to have you back. We are exploring today about the NDE or near-death experience and why a soul would come back from death. And Michael was finishing his story. Well, it wasn't really finishing. It was still mid-story. <laughs> when he was in the heavenly planes and he saw the thousands of angels and he turned around and he could see all creation. And so why would a soul want to come back from something like that? Uh, a soul doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> so it's definitely not what one wants in this situation in when you're well this is the best way i can describe it and it seems to be confirmed with talking to others who have had near-death experiences for some of us we find it difficult to come back for me it wasn't difficult to come back per se uh, in the sense of i knew i made the commitment to come back so after the first near-death experience the other four there wasn't a problem on my side in spirit to come back because that's my commitment. And I wasn't going to renege on it. And I wasn't going to drag my feet or whatever uh, coming back. But once I was here, that's where the challenges begin. Because in this, the most measure of my near-death experiences, I guess I was you know, uh, technically, clinically dead with my heart not wor- working and breathing and everything else for about 10, 11 minutes before the paramedics even arrived. And I won't go into all the details. It was, I heard it was a circus that was just like a, almost a comedy show uh, of errors going on in the physical world before I before they were able to zap me back. And be rest assured, I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) There was something else going on on that day. This was at the gym. And so, anyway, things got delayed and delayed. And and in a, uh, if you're in amusement about it, in a very comical way, if it wasn't somebody's life on the line. (laughs) So, the people involved were very, you know, stressed. But 
But uh, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't even here. So anyway, that time, after I saw all the rest of the creation past these thousands to maybe tens of thousands of angels, I was taken to places or spaces of consciousness to learn much, much more about the workings of the mind, workings of the greater mind, the consciousness in, in general, and in a sense, the types of training programs. And a lot of it was different forms of meditation. You might think, gee, do, do souls meditate when they're after they die? Yes, that's just like that's the practice here is to learn to be able to access that part of the mind, that part of consciousness. But without the body, it's easier. Yeah, there's none of the rest of the whole thing to drag around. It's not that heavy. But the mind works in such a way that this is where I got the total mm, certainty of what I've known before, but it was it made it completely absolute that everything we experience here is consciousness. And it's not physical. It's not real in the sense of permanence and physicality, density, and all of that. It's like a video game. It's like a movie, right? And more like a video game, that's because it's interactive, yeah, movies you just sit passively and watch. But a video game, you interact, you make choices, you react to uh, the situation in the game. So the video game's much closer analogy to how I experience this place here, the world. It's like being a separated soul, right? Yeah. And there's the difference between in that oneness, I can't even talk about it. Because the minute I start to try to put it into words, it's not what it is. Yet, once I separate from that to become an individual, even an individual consciousness before becoming an individual body, oh, even at that individual consciousness, everything is learned through relationship. How do I relate to all my experiences. How do I relate to what's I'm, what I'm looking at, what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing in this so-called thing called life? It doesn't matter if it's here, there, or anywhere else. It's still, oh, I'm relating to this differently. So yes, coming back from a near-death experience, coming back from being on the other side, is a profoundly transformational experience Every time, it doesn't matter how many times you go through it, I don't think, because in the course of going through these, I got to experience more of my other deaths from other incarnations, past lives, if you will. And so each death has been unique. The only consistency that I have realized so far is every time you kick the bucket, <laughs> The first thing is the experience of time, the passage of time and linear sequence of events is gone. Just like Raphael was saying, you don't even think about it. It's not in your vocabulary. It's not in your, it's just not there because it's not there. It's 
We make it up here. But we decide it's real here. In spirit, it's not. And it's, if it's not real, it's not there. And you don't even think about it. You're not even, it's not even a thing where somebody's, you go, well, what about this? That question doesn't even exist. So it's only coming back here, then I go, oh, yeah, there was no time at all. There's no experience of time, no sequence of events. And this is why it's also hard to talk about, because in order to talk about it, speaking is in words. You have to put one word after the other, so there's a sequence. There's a, there's a time delay. There's a passage of time when we're speaking, even if it's just a you know, split second. There's a passage of time. In spirit, there isn't. Everything is complete, all at once, all of it. And so talking about it, I have to piecemeal parts and put it into some kind of a seemingly logical order so that I can first talk about it and so that you can even begin to understand it (laughs) or even think about it in some way. So this is the, the challenge of translation from being spirit to being a body. Being in the allness of limitlessness and eternity and being at one with that where there's no language, there's no thought, there's no me, there's no you, there's just awareness. And then stepping into a separation of being a distinct viewpoint. When I'm in the spirit realm, most of the time I find myself as a, the best way I can describe is point of awareness. And from there, I'm aware of whatever I'm aware of. But there's a distinct, here I am as this point of awareness, experiencing all of that. That's, that's at the right before where you join in with the all. Then from that space, you could make choices. Huh. So when we come back to this world, this earthly life, it's to continue our learning and the closer you get to being fully free, the more your learning comes from sharing. Your learning comes from giving. Uh-huh. And so that's why the commitment, and when I made that first decision to come back here the first time, upon which all the other times I came back, that's the same commitment. I've already made the commitment, so I come back. It's not even a question about that. But do you want to come back? Well, like we both mentioned, there's no, if you're at a place, you're closer to being finished than than starting. (laughs) You've worked out all those illusions that bring about desire. So there is no desire. It's just, this is what it is. It's not good. It's not bad. But it's, it's fully total peace. It's joyous, but it's not desire. Huh. So when you are operating off of desire, you're operating off of the illusion of lack. 
And so everything you create as this powerful, limitless, creative spirit being here includes the creating and the basis of that lack. And so anytime we do things because we want it, then there's always going to be an experience of lack, even if we get what we want and we're temporarily rejoicing that, wow, we got this really wonderful thing. And after a while, it's It's some other want or Yes, something else comes up that you're still lacking because you haven't addressed that experience of lack and asked the question, is this for real? Am I really lacking this or does it just look like it in this video game? In the video game, when you know you're playing a video game, you know, oh, guess what? I just got killed, <laughs> if it's that type of video game, or yeah, whatever. I ran out of energy. I, I don't have my money anymore. I, I lost my gold, or whatever the video game is. Or even uh, a challenge comes in your way in the video game, because it's programmed that yeah, way. Yeah, it's programmed that way. You know it's just programming. It's just, it's not real. It's just part of the game. But in the rules of the game, it's very real, right? If you don't push the right button in the rules of the game, oh, you get slaughtered or you get, you know, uh, annihilated or whatever. Or you <laughs> get dirt, dirt thrown in your face or, or something. Or you lose the game and it shuts down or whatever the case might be. So the same happens here in this world. It makes it very real until you realize I'm in a video game. Isn't this great? <laughs> and that's a big realization for a lot of people because this the world you're in feels very real. And while it's playing out and you're in it and you're making your decisions, you can also start to think independently, differently than what everybody else is thinking and start to bring your awareness more and more to spirit. And in my observation of other people having near-death experiences, they're all different, and they return for various different reasons, but some of them return because they're not, well, I can say everyone returns because either they can do more here, like in my case, or they're not finished doing what they have committed to do in this lifetime. Such as raising a child or writing a book or... Uh, working with a group of people or teaching a group of people, that sort of thing. And for many of our friends who we know who have had near-death experiences, they're all teachers. They're all authors. They, they came back, and they may not have been that before they died. But after they died, almost each, every one of them that we know have written books and have gone on the teaching circuit and start to share their experiences with other people so that they can benefit many other souls in their process of enlightenment. Exactly. And one of the things is that I think everybody, including Michael and me, um, when you have a near-death experience, not that you need to wish for it like like I accidentally did, (laughs) as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but that everyone that has a near-death experience comes back with this thing. And that is, death is nothing. It's nothing to be afraid of. You know, most of us are very, very scared of death uh, at some point in our life because we have things to do and so forth. But um, 
You must not be afraid of death because you continue on. And if you come back, it's because you still probably have something else to do or something that was requested of you. Well, we're coming to the end of the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed it and gained some new insights and tools. Be sure to join us again next Wednesday for our show, Pomp and Circumstance, a soul's perspective on dying. So we're going to continue this subject. Is death the end or is it a type of commencement exercise or graduation and a new beginning? Remember, too, that we'll be in Longmont, Colorado this weekend, Saturday, January 18th and Sunday, January 19th. And Michael will be teaching two powerful all-day seminars on where do you go when you go to sleep, waking up to your out-of-body experiences, and who are you when you are in heaven, getting more out of life when you're in the spirit realms. Get to know your astral life. Don't leave your body without it. Make sure to check out our website events listing for January for all the details and to sign up. You can also sign up by calling our office at 530-926-2650. Hope to see you there. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. We will see you next week. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.